Welcome, everybody. I was so fascinated by my own intro there that I almost forgot to start talking. <laughs> I spent uh, I spent some time like coming up with these different ideas, and I ended up landing on on that intro and was thinking like it would really be good if it was like some lively music, you know, kind of like Halloween music. And then I found that audio, and I was like, oh god, I love this. I got to do it. Um, but it's a good it's a good setup for today's show. Uh, with me today, uh, as as usual so far is Ryan Beck from our uh, remote support department, the leader of our remote support team. Um, and uh, I appreciate you being here. Today is Ryan's day off for Halloween, and he came in uh, just for you folks. So thank you. Or was it more like um, you came in because... Uh, Rob's Rob's mom is such a fan that you were like, I got to be there for Jerry. It's a lot of things. <laughs> um, we got a lot of stuff that we want to go over today. And uh, I'll, I'll start with the disclaimer. We've talked about this. It's not usually my jam to like fear monger. Right. It's not really, I, I, especially as like a technician who like is very critical of other technicians who use scare tactics to convince you to do things. We're very against that. And uh, I think the distinction, though, is that they they use information that you don't know incorrectly and lie about what it is. This right. is still more informative. Yeah, this is going to be informative. But um, also, if you guys also can't tell for watching, uh, Ryan's still sick, too. So thanks for also being here sick. I appreciate you being in this closed office with me. Yeah. I'm looking forward to BlizzCon for this next week. I'm going to be share it with the crowd. LA. Yeah, I'll share. Yeah. I'll share that with everybody there. So that's I'm looking forward to that. Um, but uh, yeah, so just to kind of give a little little uh, I, a little warning before the show begins today. Uh, it's Halloween, and in the spirit of Halloween, I, I, I was like, ah, oh, you want to do something scary. Like, tell, tell scary tech stories and stuff. And I was thinking to myself, like, what's more scary than the realities of, of some of the tech horror stories that we that we, we hear about or that we, we, a lot of people haven't heard about, which is what we're going to talk about. Right. Um, and, like, so, like, my wife is a good example of somebody who likes to watch scary movies because they're fantasy you know they're they're um they can't be true or, or whether it's like a whether it's let's just say uh, a totally wild ghost story um which i feel bad saying like that can't be true after they were just on talking about their, you know, that's obviously sure. different different uh, belief structure but um as far as as far as like the you know like the movie Ghost Ship and just like the really out there, she's into that stuff. I, I'm, well, that and those fun. are those are usually hyper exaggerated, right? Yeah. Um, whereas I really like um, post apocalyptic movies, like I'm super into them. But I specifically really like Stephen King's stuff because he does such a great job of like portraying the reality of how people would act in times of like strife. Um, there's this book that he wrote called. Um, the mist there's a movie adaptation of it too where like these people inside this grocery store are surrounded by this like evil mist and beasts outside of the I store i remember seeing trailers for it but never saw i know it. you don't watch movies um yeah. but uh, the it's it's really it's really out there but the way that these people interact with each other is super real and she doesn't like that part because it's like that would be what happens that's terrifying so uh, it, that's the things i like is kind of like how do we how do we respond and so anyway that's the same reason why i like boys what the, bo the boys <laughs> the, the <laughs> no the show breaking news no yeah no the because you that's heard it here first that's everybody. their uh their portrayal of superheroes in that oh, is, is so how i feel like good. they would be 
So good. Realistically. Yeah. You know, oh, Put them on a pedestal. They're going to be terrible, terrible people that right. think they're better than everybody I else because they're Bowers. Love that show. This show is so good. I like boys too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> good. Uh, so um, I'm going to get into uh, what That's we're going to talk be about. A clip. Oh, it is. Yeah. 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 This was Twitch. I like clip that. boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna intentionally fearmonger a little bit today, uh, but the purpose is the Halloween show, and uh, also to be informative. I do want to tell you guys about some of the real realities of the things that can happen. Um, things are just good to be aware of, and, and the reality is that most of these things won't happen to you, uh, if if ever at all, or or even the people that you know. But they can happen, and so being aware of them and what you can do to protect yourself is not a bad idea. So, I got some of this idea. There's a podcast. Do you remember that guy's name? Was it Sean something? That guy, that podcast that I was telling you I was watching with oh. that hacker that was on it? No. Um, anyway, some of this is inspired from, it, it, depending on how large of an audience is listening, listening to this, there's going to be a, a, a small group of you that have probably seen a podcast that starts in a similar way uh, as, as I'm starting here, which is um, to kind of go over the things in your daily life that are, we call them attack vectors, ways that a... Uh, a hacker, uh, somebody who has malicious intent can affect you. And um, if you guys have questions as I go through these, I encourage you, please feel free to email uh, rad at radradio.com. I'm emailing or I'm watching the, the emails. Happy to answer any questions and I'll kind of go through them when we're done. Um, but I just want to kind of, we'll start with this little view of what the average person's day looks like and where all of the vulnerabilities are that exist that you probably don't know exist for the most, I think most people probably don't know that these exist and just kind of highlighting some of them. Um, so we'll kind of just take you through the day. Um, you had your DMT, right? And uh, <laughs> you started, yeah, you started your day, you started your day strong. That was so funny. We were talking about DMT when they, when they, when they brought that up. Um, well, anyway, you wake up, right? And you're not, you know, when I wake up, I wake up to a bunch of emails and Grab your brush and put a little makeup. <laughs> um, so I I wake <laughs> can't help but like want to put that into the lyrics of that song. <laughs> wake up, <laughs> grab your phone and check your emails. <laughs> um, it's a system of the down reference for anybody who doesn't get that. <laughs> and so you're checking your emails kind of first thing. A lot of people are checking their phones and stuff before they've had their coffee. A lot of you know, kind of laying in bed, and it's a it's a well known fact that um, we're most vulnerable when we're not you know totally con awake, conscious, yeah. right? Yeah. Fully awake. And so if you're um, if you're checking your emails really early in the morning, know that that is a tactic for uh, hackers or, or or people with bad intent um, to try to take advantage of of that fact, right? So right. they send you an email that looks. We talked about this in recent weeks. Um, like uh, you get an email that says uh, you've successfully signed into your Chase bank account or whatever it is. And you're like, what? Oh no, at 2 You didn't authorize this. Click right here. Oh God. Yeah, I didn't authorize that. Let me click right here. And then it says, you know, sign in. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah, let me sign in and, and fix this. And you're looking at a, uh, you know, a fake version of Chase's website, right? And maybe you would have caught this if you were just a little bit more awake. Um, generally speaking, the emails that you get overnight, I mean, they could be time sensitive, but chances are they can wait a, a few more minutes. And so, um, you know, be aware of what you're doing. Uh, it's, it's, it, and that goes with any email. But if I'm, if I'm on my way to 
make somebody's day as bad as it could possibly be from a digital perspective, this is step number one is try to get access to something. Yeah. So I'm going to do it in the middle, in the morning as you're, as you're kind of waking up. And then there's a, there's a lot of things that you do in your house. Um, and we'll go through these a little bit more. Um, but just as you're in your house and you're waking up through the day and, and you have these smart home devices, you set your thermostat. Um, you might, you might, uh, have like, there's smart coffee makers now and you connect to Wi-Fi and stuff like that. These are, these are easy attack vectors and I'll talk more about those later, but, um, even just having them in your network, depending on the device can be a concern. We'll go over those more a little when we're done with this. Um, but then, you know, okay, you got ready for work. Uh, you've, you've already, you've already given me your, your email address and password for your bank because you were delirious and tried to solve something. And so now I've got that and you're going through your day and I'm just hanging out, let's just say, around your house, in your neighborhood. Maybe I'm even like as much as a block away. Um, and I remember these are these are targeted. Usually. I'm after you, right? Yeah. I'm looking for for data that you have, okay? Or or I'm you know have some malicious intent. Uh, and uh, so the next thing is, you walk out and uh, to your garage and you unlock your car. So you press the little you know boop boop you know on your little keychain and. Uh, what does that do? It sends a sends out a radio signal. frequency signal, right? And um, depending on how new or old the car is or the alarm that you've got, um, you could have a combination of things. You can have the really old ones that are just a very simple, it's a radio frequency, it sends out the same radio frequency every time, it unlocks your car, and that's that. And then you can get to the you know broad spectrum, but you can get to the newest where you even have remote start capabilities, right? You can remotely start your car in your garage, right? Um, especially aftermarket ones. They yeah. Don't, they don't always come on even newer models. People install them all the time. Yeah, aftermarket. that's right. Yeah. That's right. Which a lot of times those are worse Yep. from a technical perspective. So now I can, I can unlock your car because I've captured the radio frequency. I've been monitoring RF signals in your neighborhood, especially at your house. And uh, I can capture that, uh, that signal and duplicate it. And, 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 uh, now you open up your garage. So you press your garage door opener from your car sends a signal to your garage door opener over a radio frequency. So I capture that too. So now I can start your car and I can open your garage. You drive out your neighborhood, you go to the gate, you pressure a little gate code, you know, now I have that RF frequency too. Um, and there are secure methods to sort of that these, that these devices have to sort of protect you. They're integrated. Yeah. Um, like rolling codes is one of those where it's, you know, even though I captured the signal, I might not get the same code every time, but there's ways around that too. So, um, you know, you're, you're on your way to work and, uh, I've, I've, you've left your house and now I have access to your neighborhood gate and to your garage and, um, to your coffee maker. <laughs> I'm going to go wild. I'm just pouring Keurig K cups all over the house. Um, and then, uh, and then, you know, you, you get to work and now there's, there's some more stuff that, uh, you got to worry about there. So let's say that you operate in a place that uses, uh, RFID cards to give you access to your building. Um, those are widely varying in security uh, functionality. So they, they, from the very simple to, it's a card that has a static value on it, which could just be replicated. Right. Um, there's a lot of ways that I could capture that data, but one of the, one of the ones that I, I saw most recently was interesting. Is you've heard of credit card. Um, scams where they put like a little machine over the swiper yeah, like skimmers skimmers right yeah, yeah. and they put them on gas stations um and they put them like yeah, there's even like videos of guys who own like liquor stores and stuff where the people running the shops 
pop them right off. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're 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 skimming their yeah. customers' data. Like even the people running these businesses are skimming it. So they have these like really perfect um, things on top of the credit card processing machine that looks legitimate, looks real, um, but it's a skimmer. It's like just copying your card information. So they, I've seen people now make those for public facing RFID scanners for badge access to buildings. So what they do is they make a copy of whatever your little badge reader is and they just stick it on top and it's really thin. So it copies all of the codes that people are tapping their card up to. It still lets the signal through to still lets do the signal what you through need. so it works. So nobody even knows that it's there. That's a good thing for security um, at any business to be aware of because checking those yeah, periodically just, give it a little just yeah make sure yeah give it a little jiggle um make sure that there's nothing on top of it that shouldn't be there and a lot of times it will stand out if you're looking for it but right. they usually make pretty good copies um so you know i can have that another way that i could capture that information is you know you, let's say you go out to lunch and you're standing in line um i could use a little device to just put it up next to your wallet in your pocket in your purse whatever um and copy that R rfid information right off your card i don't even really have to be that little close to nfc it. touch right contact yeah and the way those work too just to kind of explain is those rfid cards um or even your credit card uh where you can tap to pay mm. uh, or an rfid card or anything like that the way that those work is the receiving device so uh, let's just say in, in the case that we're talking about this building, the receiving device is the thing on the door that's reading your code. And, um, that receiving device has power and it basically powers your card to get the signal out of it, to figure out what code it has. So the little device that I have has power and I, I put it up next to your wallet or your purse or whatever, and it sends a signal and then I receive back the codes. I might get your credit card. I might get your, uh, you know, your tap to pay for your credit card. I might get your RFID card for work. Uh, I might keep an eye on where you keep those things. Like if that's in your front pocket and make sure that I get into that spot and I can kind of, I can read those and I don't have to be right on it necessarily. You can get them from right. a little tiny bit of a distance. Um, but now I have access to your credit card number. I have access to your, um, your badge for work, presumably something like that. So, uh, now you're at work, you know, you had your lunch and you're typing on your keyboard and you got this new, uh, fancy Bluetooth, um, Mic uh, Microsoft, let's say keyboard and mouse, it's like 35 bucks or whatever is what these things cost on like Amazon. So it's, you know, you didn't want the wires on your desk. You wanted the cleaner desk. So you got the, you got the Bluetooth. Even better. You took Amazon's recommendation and got the $13 one oh. from a brand you've never heard of. God. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, that's a, uh, that's clutch. Definitely make that decision. Get the cheapest mm -hmm. one. Um, so I am now sitting in the parking lot outside of your office and weirdo i'm i'm a weirdo because i'm after you yeah. i'm yeah this is all about you i'm this is what I i'm doing to you. i get it so i'm sitting there and i'm uh monitoring what kind of signals are in the air in this neighborhood and 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 what's being broadcast and what i can listen to and read and and um and input now one of the most terrifying things i think is um if somebody doesn't have physical access to your computer at home or at work and you're using a Bluetooth keyboard and mouse, especially either an older one or just a cheap one, you know, the, the quote unquote recommended on Amazon, the most purchased, mm -hmm. um, the cheap one, it is sending a signal, which is generally not secure. That doesn't necessarily mean I can read your keystrokes from your keyboard. That could happen. That's pretty rare. 
but that's not even as bad as what I could do, which is I can take advantage of that Bluetooth receiver that you have and send it signals. So I'm hanging out and I see that you left for lunch or you left for the day. And I now inject my own <clears throat> signal into this Bluetooth receiver you have on your computer. And I could even do it when you're sitting at your desk. The reality is that I could you know, write a script that sends a 500 keystrokes in a half a second, right? I, I mean, I can have a program type a whole lot faster than a person could right. perceive. You so could have AI write that for you. Yeah, I could have AI write that for me. Um, <laughs> it catches on to ethical things pretty quickly, but you could trick it. <laughs> um, so now I I have this script loaded up on my computer, ready to talk to your your computer uh, through Bluetooth because you have this little receiver sitting in there that's just open and ready for inputs. And uh, so I send it a script of let's just say 500 to 1,000 characters. What can I do with that? I can pretty much do anything you can imagine. So that means I could, uh, from the parking lot, outside your work, from, God, even a block away, if I really wanted to, depending on the hardware I've got, um, shoot a quick signal that says, uh, you know, run this, run this, uh, open up this program, call it command prompt. So a lot of people have seen this. It's a little black and white window that opens up in Windows. And from there, I have access to send commands to your computer. And I could do it so fast that the only thing a user would see is just like this black and white window pop up and just then go away. Flash, yeah. Right. Um, and in that, in that little split second, I've granted myself access to your PC. And, and that could mean a million different things. It could quite literally mean I could see everything that you're doing. Um, it could mean I can read every keystroke that you type. I could copy data, copy, comp yeah, stuff off your, basically I am sitting at your computer at this point and I, and with no password and I'm doing whatever I want and I'm doing it without your knowledge. And all I needed was to have a device you can buy on Amazon for 150 bucks and some know-how. And, um, so that's probably out of all the things that we're talking about, probably one of the biggest risks is, is being cautious of those, those Bluetooth devices. But just to move on with my story a little bit, now I have access to your computer. Um, is your data safe? You know, is it encrypted? Is it backed up? Um, does that matter if I have access to it? Do you have all your passwords saved in Chrome? Um, there's, there's so many implications to getting access to somebody's computer. And this is, this is sadly one of the like easier things that is done for people that are actually, you know, a target of, right. of an attack, which is super rare, but it can happen. Um, so now I have, you know, let's just say full access to your work computer. Um, but while I'm at it, you're using your Bluetooth headset to have a call. You know, you're, uh, you've got this Bluetooth headset in your office that connects to, um, you know, your desk phone, you're using one of those like Cisco phone systems, a voice over IP phone system of some kind, and you've got your Bluetooth headset connected. Most of those are not encrypted, which means that somebody with a little bit of talent could not only capture that signal, but also translate it into audio and hear your call. Mm -hmm. um, there's actually specific Bluetooth headsets that are sold for security purposes, if for industries where communication needs to be kept safe, where the Bluetooth um, headset and its receiving end have um, their own hardware for encryption. Makes it way harder for somebody to get access to that data. They cost more. They're usually like a hundred bucks more. Um, but the reason they exist is because of how vulnerable right. the basic ones are. Um, so anything 
anything that sends out a wireless signal, anything that um, receives a wireless signal can be hacked. Um, some of them are a lot harder than others, but the reality is that any of them are a, an attack vector for right. somebody with malicious intent to do something that um, could potentially harm you. Um, so now you've you've got a lot of technical problems. I've copied a lot of your stuff. I know uh, more than I should. I have access to things I shouldn't. You're out of coffee. <laughs> you're, you're out of water in your Keurig machine because I've been running that like crazy. You go home and you go well, a puddle all over the floor. <laughs> Gallon of water, I've ruined your day. Um, but maybe while you were gone, I opened up your garage door, and uh, and your dog has access to your garage. Well, that's sad for the dog. Uh, maybe maybe I really like that pug and I want that 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 pug now. Um, but even worse, I can use this little device that I've got to rewrite the chip inside of the dog's, under the dog's skin. You get your dog microchipped, mm. I just rewrite it. I write my own. Now he's my dog. And you can't prove it because I've rewritten the chip on that dog. Um, there's very few cases of this being like a reality that it's happened maliciously. But you remember, um, it, I think it was like Katy Perry's dogs got stolen and held like for ransom mm -hmm. or something like that. That's when I first heard about this, was like, oh God, they could rewrite the chips and she'd have almost no way to prove that these are even her dogs, you know, even if they found them, if they found the guy, like, no, these are my dogs. Like, read the chip. This is my dog. Um, so the chips that these companies use are something you have to consider, too. Are they rewritable? Um, what's what's necessary to do that? Uh, what They're are they? Read-only. Right, yeah. So those are good questions to ask. So now you've got home. Your dog is gone. And... Um, you're connecting to Wi-Fi. And Ian's still not done. I'm still not done. <laughs> Ian's just getting started. Yep. And uh, so now you're connecting to your Wi-Fi. You come home and you your phone auto-connects to your Wi-Fi as you get home. It's a very convenient feature. And your laptop and your computer and your TV and all of your devices. Um, but today, they're not connecting to your Wi-Fi. They're connecting to mine. And what's happening is while you're gone... I was able to use one of these really low security devices that you got in your house, your Wi-Fi thermostat, your Wi-Fi vacuum, your fridge, or whatever. And because of vulnerabilities that are known to exist on these types of devices, I was able to get access to your network. And so what I've done is I've disabled your network and I've broadcasted my own. So um, you know we'll call it, we'll call my my network. Uh, we'll say it's a Reader House is my name of my Wi-Fi. Okay, so look at me. I'm the Wi-Fi now. I am the Wi-Fi now. Yeah, be good. That'd be a good image for like a like a, a thumbnail for today's podcast. I'm the Wi-Fi now. Um, so I'm broadcasting your SSID. SSID is the name of your wireless network. So let's just say let's just say you know your wireless network is uh, one of the ones I see in my neighborhood a lot is Lagunitas. Somebody really likes their beer. Um, so I, now I'm broadcasting Lagunitas with the same password, right. same encryption type, same network type, same channel even that it was broadcast on. So all of your devices are now auto-connecting to me. Why does that matter? Well, it sounds scary on the surface, but why? It's because I'm now what's called the man in the middle. I, I will give you access to the internet. You, so if you go to Google and you type in a request you'll get a website. But that all has to go through you now. Everything goes through me. So this is what's called a man-in-the-middle attack. 
And it's one of the most devastating forms of attack because it happens without the user's knowledge. Um, so I'm broadcasting this Wi-Fi signal and I've already pre-prepped. I, I, this is what I do for a living. This is where I make my money, right? Um, so I've prepped a bunch of fake websites so that if you type in www.facebook.com, what normally happens is that request goes to your router. Your router sends that to your internet provider. Your internet provider translate facebook.com into an IP address and it takes you over to that website. Now what's happening, because you're using my wireless, is you've connected to wireless, but you're requesting it through me. And rather than me passing that request on to your internet provider, I'm just gonna translate it on my own. So facebook.com doesn't go to you know, 123.456.78, whatever IP address. It just goes to my computer, which I'm sitting here with. Right. And it has a, it's running a fake copy of Facebook's homepage, their login screen, or Google, or Wells Fargo, or Chase, or whatever, you know. Um, and so I, I make all these fake versions of these pages, and I intercept all your traffic. And so every time you go to a page and you request something, I'm intercepting it, and I'm getting your credentials. And the worst part is, you can type in your password for wellsfargo.com and your username. And from your side, it's going to look like everything is fine because you'll even see your banking info. Because yep. what's going to happen is as soon as I capture that data, I'm going to pass it on to the actual Wells Fargo and feed you the real results. But in the middle, I've captured your information. So now I have your passwords and you don't even have any idea. So now we're toward the end of the day and I have passwords for basically any account you've logged into. I've got copies of RFID badges I can get in your garage. I have access to your network. I can basically see everything that you're doing at this point. And it, it, this all comes down to how malicious is the person's intent with what they want to do. What are they looking for? Are they looking for data? Are they looking to damage your life in some way? Um, Again, this is the fear-mongering component, and the thing that scares me is we have customers call us and say, somebody's hacking me, mm -hmm. and uh, this is what's happening. These are the symptoms I see. I'm being attacked, and sadly, 99 times out of 100, it's a misunderstanding. Right. It's, um, in, some in some rare cases, it's people that clearly need help beyond the computer right. side of things. And, um, but in the r reality is that now and again, we will see stuff that's like, um, as much as I want to say you're mistaken, this is pretty weird. Right. There is definitely something strange going on, whether it was malicious or it was, or it was, uh, something that broke, it happens. So we have to deal with those when they happen. And in some cases we've had to involve law enforcement and, right. and get them involved and let them see what we, what we've, observed. Um, but in the vast majority of cases, it's people that are worried about something that's not actually happening and we can identify exactly what's, what's going on. It's kind of right. like actually what they were talking about on the show today. It's like, I think I have a ghost in my house. Oh, sorry. You have a gas pipe that's leaking and you're hallucinating. <laughs> you should Badly. get that checked. Right. Yeah. So, um, and, but you know, like they say now and again, it is something that is uh, legitimate. Right? right. So in this case, um, it's obviously something legitimate. I've gotten access to quite a few things. So for each person, that means something different. You know, that could mean, um, one of my, one of my biggest fears is, is waking up to like 50 emails of you've successfully signed into this yeah. account and this account, your password has been reset. And this account. Your email has been changed. 
I've had that happen. I've woken up to those emails before. Um, and it's never been a real breach. It's, I mean, not real as in, uh, it was fraudulent. It was not, it was never a breach of anything that I cared about. So in the, in the times that it was an actual email indicating that I had signed into something and that was a legitimate email, it was an account that I didn't care about or, or a password that was breached years ago that I knew had been copied and had been leaked on some database. And I just didn't care because the website that had it, it doesn't make it. I didn't even go bother changing it because who cares if they log into it. If anything, I'm just wasting their time and that's kind of fun. I get those mostly with uh, a sort of half successful attempts at logging in, but they're getting the uh, the authenticator code sent to my right. email and they can't get it. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I think I'm just going to leave that password the same for them and let them keep trying and thinking yeah. they'll get it eventually. <laughs> I'm never going to enter that the one, code. I don't use that, that service. That so hard for me because I have, um, with tech to you we have uh, servers that we manage. We have, um, you know, client sites that we host. And... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say publicly how our security sure. works, but um, part of our security is that I receive a notification of a type, depending on what we're trying to log into, that indicates someone is attempting to log into something. Um, you know, something I could say is uh, like FireUp, for example. That's a very active Instagram that we have. We would post a lot of videos and pictures and stuff there, and I maintain the credentials for that. But we give access. I don't. I don't post things on there myself. I, we have people that are you know, posting things. And I'm the one who gets the text message confirmation of like, Hey, here's the code for somebody to log into your account. Um, little trick. I'm not going to tell you how I do it, but it's not actually a text message. So, um, I, <laughs> I can't, can't say it, but, uh, if you're curious and you want to know how to bypass that with some, some cool technology, you're welcome to email in and I'll tell you privately. Um, but as far as, uh, as far as these texts are concerned that I get, um, sometimes I get them. I'm like, what the heck? There's nobody working right now. Who got the password to this account? It's like 25 digits, alphanumeric, random code, you know? Um, and then I'll, so I'll text like 15 people like, hey, are any of you trying to get into this account right now? Nobody told me that I needed to give you a code. And most of the time it's like, oh, sorry, I forgot to tell you I, I need that code. Um, but now and again, it's nope, none of us, you know? And I'm like, oh, God dang it. How did that get leaked? That's because 15 people have the password is how it got right, leaked. Right, right. Um, but anyway, that, that's that's one of my biggest fears is is the idea of waking up to like somebody actually getting access to one of my accounts or many of my accounts. And it's kind of what inspired the theme of the show today, which is um, I don't want you guys to wake up to that. It is terrifying what somebody could do with access to your data. And everything that I talked about today is preventable. Yeah. Or, or at least there's security measures you can take on top it's of this. A lot more work to undo it than it is to prevent it. Right. Yeah. And some of them are so, um, like, I, you know, I have to ride that line of like, I don't want to give so much information to tell people how to do these things. Cause I don't want somebody malicious to do it. But, um, the reality is it's not, it's not hard to figure it out. I mean, the data is out there, the information's out there. So, so really protecting yourself is the important part. And, um, one of the ones that actually terrified me most as I was kind of putting together this list is, what if somebody got the ability to remote start your car and your car's in your garage and your garage is under your bedroom? That's awful. Filling with carbon monoxide. Right. And yeah. now I don't know that that's, that's something that like a person has ever intentionally done. I mean, that's obviously as far as you could really go with like a hack. Right. But that's where some of these technologies and making sure that they're um, protected and safe and you're asking questions about like, well, hey, what happens if somebody gets this code from my car? I always, uh, I avoid using 
they used to sell little clickers with my insulin pump, so you can give yourself boluses remotely. Like like you would communicate with the pump from a... It was like a little Bluetooth controller kind Why of thing. Why would you even bother? You just pull the pump out of your you pocket. You could, yeah, exactly. Because you'd have to pull the other thing out of your pocket. It's not you're having it in your hands yeah. all the time. Or attached on a keychain. I never used it, but I was always worried about yeah. the same thing. I was like, what if somebody captures that and they could just give me insulin remotely? Right. It would be terrible. Ah. Yeah, so there's... Obviously, there is the ability to use technology in some pretty awful ways. Yeah. And so... Um, now that you've gotten the uh, <laughs> now that you've gotten the the you know the worst possible scenarios, we'll talk a little bit about um, some prevention methods. Um, I'll change go through, your passwords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Change your passwords is a good one. You know, that's that's always a good starting point. Don't use these passwords that are um, you know your last name four five six exclamation point like that's. Well, that and I, IoT devices, your thermostats, your refrigerators, coffee makers, those are the things that always end up on botnets. And the reason they do is because they have a oftentimes Google searchable uh, default admin name and password to access it. And people don't change those. They just use them to sign in and set it up. There's no prompt forcing them to do it. And then you just run a script that checks for every device's automatic sign in and logs right, right. Into it. yeah there's uh we have uh relatively frequently we'll have customers call in and say I bought a new house and i set up my wi-fi and i and i got everything connected but i just need you guys to do x y and z and whenever we're on site we always like to ask hey do you want us to just check the you know wi-fi setup to make sure it's secure and whenever anybody says no um that's fine you know we don't need to check anything you don't want us to check it always just concerns us a little bit because it's like god i really hope that you hope your login isn't admin password yeah right you know that and that's the thing that most like when you run through these like smart setup guides for your netgear router it doesn't really tell you in most cases when you're all done with the setup go change this administrator password and save it somewhere secure because if somebody does gain access to your wireless network which is not hard to do um, now they have access to your router now they have access to everything inside of your network they can see what data is going on and you know things that you're doing on your network so obviously um it's very important to make sure that your, your stuff is secure and good passwords and changing passwords from default passwords is a, is a good way to begin so just talking a little bit I, I started this off by saying like there's there's products in your home um, that you need to be cautious of and i want to just run through a, a quick list of these things and there's way more than this but this is kind of the beginning um Things with Wi-Fi connections, vacuum, washer, dryer, fridge, thermostats, smart lights, smart locks, smart outlets, humidifiers, even air purifiers. Um, can't, oh, and then, of course, like one of the worst things is like cameras and doorbells. Um, there are everybody and their mom that has an IT company is making freaking doorbells now. It's wild to me how many people like like Philips Hue, the company that like these little lights that we have around us mm -hmm. in here, um, and they they got the same lights inside of the studio. Really cool uh, lighting company. They make really cool features for lights, like high tier color lights. They make a freaking doorbell now. Why? I don't need a Philips Hue doorbell. Like I, Nest is a company that that uh, makes security products. They have right. a doorbell. That makes sense. Um, Ring. Ring, right? Security products, doorbell, got it. Um, Arlo. Right, there's there's ones that are known. And Arlo, I mean, that's an example of a company that had a major breach that was their fault and they knew about um, that is making security products where you can't, 
you can't trust every product that you buy. Right. And um, they were sending data to servers in China from people's cameras knowingly, and they got caught and uh, they they've you know fixed it, but. That's one of those companies that now forever is like tainted for me. Right. Um, as good as a lot of their products physically are, I really struggle to trust them. And um, I'm not saying that like if you have Arlo products that your stuff is going to China, it's probably safe. But they didn't have a good description for the reason why it was happening when they got caught with it. Um, so trusted brands are a really big deal. And we touched on that a little bit earlier. But just to, um, just to go through some of these real quick. A thermostat, for example, I, I want to say Nest was probably one of the first companies to be popularized with a smart thermostat, and well, that's because they partnered with like rebates from electricity yeah local companies local and stuff yeah yeah like Smud in Sacramento, uh, our, our electric one of the main electric companies in the Sacramento area, Smud, um, they offer like free smart thermostats, um, and they and they <clears throat> mostly use Nest products, right? Um, so yeah, people get them that way. Their very first generation of smart thermostats only supported um, WPA, which is a, or sorry, uh, WP, one of the very first iterations of wireless security. When wireless security began, you broadcast a Wi-Fi signal in your house. The very first versions of that didn't even have security. Anybody could just join the network. And that didn't last long. That didn't even really make it into the consumer market. But after that, they started adding new versions of security. And one of those first versions I mean, I could crack it with, with a cell phone in 10 minutes. It's so easy to bypass that, that, that encryption. Um, and then there's been new, new iterations of, of new security. C currently, one of the standards is called WPA2. I think plus TKIP is the one we're typically recommending, right? IES, I think. TKIP. Um, anyway, WPA2 is kind of the thing that you're looking for first. If you're setting up Wi-Fi security, you want the standard to be WPA2. Everything prior to that is just a little easier to get into, if not very easy to get into. Um, anyway, the reason I bring that up is if you have a device in your network, which is communicating wirelessly to your router, there is communication going across airwaves. And if we know that you have a certain type of device, we can send it false signals, fake things. Sorry, you said them going of the device broadcasting on airwaves. Have you ever heard the, you know, close the window, the you're letting the router signal out? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sorry, exactly. I just couldn't help but think about so, that. Yeah. Oh man, we've had yeah, never mind. I won't get into it. Yeah. <laughs> um so the uh this device, we basically, what we do is we send it, you know, fake packets, packets are uh, digital versions of information. So we send it this fake data and it sends us back information like, hey, this is, this is how I communicate. You're mm -hmm. trying to communicate with me. This is how I communicate. So then we learn, okay, this is how this device works. This is what it's looking for. This is how it encrypts. Now we just kind of intercept a few of these packets. We already know how it works. So we have one side of the key and then we'll send it some fake stuff until we unlock that key. And long story short, I can use a low security device to gain access to your network. I can identify what your password is for your network. And from there, that's when scary things can happen. So when you're buying products, when you're looking for your vacuum or your washer and dryer, fridge or thermostat or cameras especially, get name brand stuff. You get what you pay for. Um, it's not enough just to trust reviews anymore. It sucks. People can buy reviews, mm -hmm. but Amazon does this thing. Amazon's the worst about it, especially with... Uh, you know, they have their Amazon marketplace. People can sell a lot of their stuff on Amazon. Um, people can basically replace existing product listings 
with just an updated version of that product and carry right. over all of the reviews. It's so weird that, so that you're, can happen. So you'd get thousands of reviews that could be positive for an entirely different product. Yeah. It was a time I bought a, uh, I don't remember, it was like shoe in, insoles, like inserts for a shoe. And after I got them, they sucked. I was like, these are not at all what they described right. as terrible. I'm going to return these. And like, I was going through the reviews. Like, did I miss it? It was pretty good reviews. And there was reviews in there for a book. Like, like, like a thousand five-star reviews for some book. Like, right. What the heck? That is not what I... So, yeah, you have to be careful with that kind of thing. If you're not sure of a name brand you can trust or which ones have good reputations, you can reach out to us. But it doesn't. it's not hard to also just do some quick internet research. There, there's plenty of readily available... Um, websites that review products there's great youtube videos for these things too um there's a youtuber i watch a lot um mkbhd but there's a lot of like these like smart home tech reviewers right. who talk about trusted products and things that are you know secure and safe and I, I recommend watching those if you're thinking about just doing your own thing and setting it up on your own um you can identify what's legitimate and what's not so first off when you're getting these products get good ones um, get ones that are known to have good security if you've already got stuff in your house that you're like, oh crap, I'm the guy who bought the Chinese $15 knockoff device because I didn't want to spend 200 bucks on the, on the good one. Um, that's fine. Um, and, and I actually don't have a problem with that Yeah. as long as you're ready for it. Change your passwords, update the security on them. That's great. If it's supported. And have an IoT network. So this is really the biggest thing is keeping the network secure by changing your passwords and, and, and um, keeping devices updated. That's huge. But most routers today can broadcast two networks simultaneously. Your primary network, you know, your your Lagunitas, as I called it earlier, and then your guest network is usually what it is. So you make your guest network your IoT or Internet of Things network. That's where your Chinese $15 devices get to connect to. So that if that network ever gets breached, somebody's just spilling coffee in yeah. your house until the cure exam. You can water. play over there. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can stay in this room. And um, so that's what I do. That's what we set up for our customers who have a lot of IoT devices is we set up an IoT network um, to keep those less secure devices that receive less updates that are more likely to get cracked. Um, we set them in a different network. Um, now, what's the reality of the necessity of that? Yeah, it's pretty low. Like, I mean, somebody's going to have to go out of their way to be in your neighborhood to attack your network. You specifically. <clears throat> yeah, generally speaking. Now, there's people who just like um, dragnet entire neighbor neighborhoods and look for a vulnerability. You know, there's people who are just scam artists that are looking for stuff. So you don't have to be a target. You could just be unlucky. And some one right. of these people is just driving through your neighborhood with a great antenna and is capturing, you know, a bunch of Wi-Fi signals and looking for the ones that are weak and have certain data going across them that's easy to to capture and replicate and do whatever they want with. So um, while the reality is it's a very low probability that you'll ever deal with this kind of thing, it is random. It's, I what? mean, it's a low probability of having a home invasion, but obviously it's one of those things that this is why we lock our doors, right? So this is the digital security side of locking your doors. And an IoT network is a really great way to just keep those low security devices uh, separate and uh, keeping your network secure. Um, so a couple of other things I wanted to uh, go through here was, <clears throat> I talked about this like $15 device, that, or sorry, $1,550 $1, device. You can buy, you used to be able to buy it on Amazon. Um, Amazon has since decided that they no longer like the idea of selling this because it's <clears throat> it's just too easy uh, for people to uh, 
to get and to do malicious things with. So what you're looking at here is this is just a little YouTube video. I have it muted so you won't hear anything. Um, but what what I've got is this the device called a Flipper Zero. Um, I actually, oh, before I forget, I had a, a person email in and say, um, I drive a cab in the last two days in a row. I have had a separate, I've had separate customers tell me about the Flipper Zero. Apparently it's a device that can be used to hack into any Wi-Fi supported system, such as ring security system or even a baby monitor. I've heard horror stories on the Rad Show about hackers talking to babies through monitors. That is beyond creepy and invasive. I am wondering if there is any possibility possibly positive use for this product and why was it made? Um, so I've got a little video of it um, showing this guy is basically what he's doing right now is he's scanning a radio frequency and just recording uh, whatever happens on this frequency. In this case, he's demonstrating what happens when he presses the key to like unlock his car. And then he does it again where right now what he's doing is broadcasting that same signal and it doesn't unlock his car. That's because his car has a, a rolling code. So the code that was copied by this device, um, it changed. And so that's not to say that you couldn't copy it with some more sophisticated tools, but in this case, his car has a basic level of security that prevents the same code from being used every time. Um, so a device like this would need a little bit more uh, configuration, which is available to it. Um, now what he's doing is he's scanning for his uh, uh, garage door. So he's pressing the button, it immediately captures, okay, this is the code that was sent. And then from there he can, he can rebroadcast that code and open up his garage door because the garage door that he has is old and just does not have anything like a rolling code or any kind of high security like that. Um, so this device, I want to just talk about this, this flipper zero device. So they sold it on Amazon for a long time. And, and then there were these reports like this, um, uh, Ray who wrote in was talking about his, his customers in the cab. It was, it's been in the news. You said you heard about it recently in the news too, right? Uh, yeah, there were, there were articles talking about how Amazon doesn't sell it anymore and how, um, even some people had reported that police seized their delivery of it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, um, it's not illegal by the way. Uh, I, I guess I should start with that. This device was made by enthusiasts like myself. And uh, so like my background at like actual college education, which I don't use at all is electronics engineering. And that's really all that this is, is an electric. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Now I manage an IT company. Um, but so be it. <laughs> um, so the, uh, the device is actually really simple from like the engineering perspective. It's not really I mean, it's impressive that they fit all this in a small package and that they created this cool little UI and it can be customized by other nerds. Um, but it, it, from a technical perspective, it's not really all that advanced. No, it's, it's just well-designed. That's it. Yeah. It's just easy for people to use, which is the part that makes it terrifying because you don't need to be an expert in security or wireless technology or an electronics engineer to understand to understand how to use it. Yeah. You might not know what it's doing. Well, say you won't understand the implication of what you're doing with right. it or the consequences of what you're doing with it. You know that there's a button that says scan and the instructions that you read online told you to press that button. And then there's a button that says broadcast and the instructions online told you to press broadcast. And if you did this right at the right time at the right place, you can open somebody's garage door. Um, and there's a lot of videos of people using these for, for fun things that are just, you know, silly. And to, to answer the emailer's question, is there a legitimate reason that you would use this kind of thing? Yeah. Um, Penetration testing. Yeah, that's been the biggest thing is like if you wanted to identify vulnerabilities, this is a really great device to find out if you have 
uh, wireless vulnerabilities. Yeah, if you were if you were a person whose job was to find these things, right? Yeah, we've <laughs> we've even had so we've had businesses contract us that ask us to like, hey, do whatever you can to break our security. Let's find out where the holes are, and that's kind of part of our diagnostic process too. With most new businesses that we work with, is like, hey, you know, we want to check to see if you guys are vulnerable. So we're going to go through these practices. This is what this means. This is what we're going to capture if you are vulnerable. Here's how we'll fix it if we find it. Um, a device like this isn't really needed by us because it, it's not. It's a little outside of our wheelhouse when it comes to security, but we've recommended and, and used similar devices to pen test, penetration test, um, networks and security and Wi-Fi. So that's probably the most legitimate reason. Otherwise, it's it's really, it's just kind of a fun toy for I think most people that are buying this are just using it for silly stuff. Like there's, an, a, there's a person who uh, added on, there's um, IO ports, input output ports. You can plug into it and add your own custom hardware to it. Right. A bigger antenna, whatever. There's somebody who uh, has a video going through like a Walmart and they're like using the PA system at the Walmart with their Flipper Zero. So they're like nice. talking over the PA because they captured the frequency and the encryption method and then they just broadcast. So it was like little silly, you know, yeah, it's not ethical, um, but it's also not like incredibly harmful, harmful necessarily. Right. Yeah, there's and there's a lot of that. Like there's videos that came out as fake, um, but it's this kind of thing. Somebody was demonstrating that you could like change the gas prices on the digital gas boards. That turned out to be not real, but it, it is really, it is that kind of thing that for the most part people are That's using funny. it for is like pranks almost. Um, it does some really crazy bad stuff too. Like it, uh, it can, it can kill your computer. There's, it has a USB port that can plug in and can cause deliver shorts, power, yeah. deliver power where it's not supposed to. Um, it can, it can, you know, write and read things that are malicious. Like there's a lot that it can do that is malicious and it's a device that's just available to the general public. Um, and with maybe a couple of hours of watching YouTube videos and going on some forums of some nefarious people, you're going to find out how to use it for functions that are not, you know, well, part of what I was reading is that they have their own app store now. Yeah. That was, a, so, that was a big change. So things can be, uh, programmed by other people who know what they're doing and used by people who don't. Yeah, there was um, there was a big change recently uh, with this device about uh, specifically that about how easy it is to get pre-programmed hacks, basically. Um, yeah, they're expandable. They have SD uh, slots in them. I got an email from a gentleman named Nick says I have questions about internet security and routers IoT slash WPA. Could you please provide your email again so I could email you directly? Ian at techtu.com, right? Yes, that is correct. Ian I A N at techtu.com, uh, T E C H number two letter U.com. Happy to answer any questions for you. And feel free to email the show too. A lot of times these questions are relative to the larger audience. Um, so, uh, this Flipper Zero device that I showed, it's one of uh, quite a few devices that exist like it. Um, what was the other one? was like Rubber Ducky or something like that? I think, yeah, that sounds familiar. The, there's one that has a less gimmicky, silly name, which is actually the more threatening of them, and I, I don't want to even give the name of it. Um, but it's, the, it's a device that is a lot like the Flipper Zero, which um, has bigger security concerns. It has additional hardware built into it. It is also legal. It's legal. To, I mean... It, there, there's a reality that you could, you can capture traffic, um, communication traffic from airplanes and reroute them. And that's obviously 
super illegal and major dangers there and you could probably get caught that pretty easy we'll get uh men in black suits showing up yeah at your location yeah there's real a, soon. yeah the faa takes uh messing around with planes very seriously but the reality is that that the, these kinds of tools are out there and people do use them for nefarious reasons um generally something like that isn't going to happen very often if at all because it's so easy to catch people that are trying to do stuff like that um so anyway uh you know be aware of these things be aware of their existence do do your due diligence and keep things safe uh one one other little thing i just wanted to touch on real quick when it comes to the security of all the things i talked about earlier if somebody gained access to your home you know they copied your garage door openers code and they got in and you're at work and uh, they bypassed your alarm or that you don't have one or whatever um if they take your computer, one of the other things I highly recommend is drive encryption. Um, and it, without going way too far into that, uh, if you're, there's free versions of drive encryption software you can use it or baked into Windows. Most brand new Macs have drive encryption even enabled by default. Um, but if somebody gets access to your physical computer, think about the things that are on there. If you have a digital copy of your tax returns, you know that's, that's obviously a major problem. Um, so always consider that if your computer was stolen, what could somebody get on there that's of value? Assume that they can find it. Assume that they'll find the file. They have all the time in the world once it's in their possession. Um, and if you're not sure, if you're like, God, I don't, I don't know if I have anything on there that could be a problem. I might, and I don't know if it's secure. I highly recommend you look into drive encryption. BitLocker is is free in Windows Pro operating systems. Um, you can enable it very easy. Go to my computer, right click on your C drive, and enable BitLocker. It's super simple to do. Um, don't lose your code. Please, if you create a BitLocker code and encrypt your drive, one of the biggest, uh, one of the calls we get more often than anything else with BitLocker is not how to set it up. It's, I forgot my code. How do I get my data? Yeah, how do I get into yeah, this? Yeah, right. So, well, it told you you can't. Yeah, yeah. So don't lose that code um, if you set it up. But that is a way to keep your data safe. Um, so I was talking about ways that, you know, people could um, gain access to your stuff. And there's there's one other thing I wanted to show. I have this video. Um, I'm trying to get the audio working for it real quick too. This video is a, it's a weird looking video. It does, it's really the audio that we're gonna care more about here. Um, a security researcher is what he calls himself. Mm. Um, a. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, he's, he's a Canadian uh, security researcher, eh? uh, he gained access to a guy's, um, doorbell and nest. Um, one of the companies who makes doorbells also makes, uh, in interior cameras in, in people's homes. And in this instance, uh, the security researcher, again, you'll hear that in the audio in a second, only gained access to this person's doorbell. But in the event that this person had cameras in their home, um, he would have had video of everything going on the home uh, along with audio and they would not know, which is probably one of the scariest parts is they wouldn't even have had a clue that this right. guy was watching what, what's going on, listening. You know, obviously I don't need to go into what could be done with that kind of thing. It's obviously highly invasive and illegal. Um, but I'll show you the video real quick. Um, get my audio set up make sure that you guys can hear this. <laughs> Hello, uh, is anyone there? Can you hear me? So that's the researcher Hello, talking. Uh, is anyone there? Can you, hear me? you hear an echo because it comes from the speaker of the camera. Hello? Hey, um, please, please don't be scared or frightened. I'm not here to cause any malicious thing. Um, There's the video. I'm a security researcher from Canada. 
and I just um, I'm here to like help you. Um, I don't know, like wow. if your password's Great been delivery. leaked. Your password's been leaked know, is like what he says. Your password's been leaked. Not not con confident at all. Who is this? So that's a homeowner again. Uh, you've never met me. I'm I'm a security researcher from Canada, and basically, like, someone's leaked a password that you use somewhere else, and I'm just here to tell you so that you can change your password before someone else tries to like hack you and and do something malicious, like hack you and and do something again the repeat because of the camera the microphone okay um that sounds good what password is it if you don't mind sharing no i i don't mind sharing at all um the password that was leaked it was for um i muted this part out so you're not going to hear anything right now he's going over what password was actually leaked all right um sounds good i'm going to shut this thing down then yeah, no worries. And uh, again, I'm I'm really sorry if I've startled you or anything. And I, I realize this is super unprofessional. And I, I'm sorry uh, that it's a little bit late in the day to do this. Um, you don't have to get rid of your nest or anything. Just change your password and, and you'll be fine. Nest or anything. Just So that that's pretty much the end of it. But um, so what you just listened to or watched. Don't be scared. Yeah, God, the guy... <laughs> really was not helpful in his delivery I, um, at all. I, um, yeah. Yeah, your password was leaked. Like, what? You're talking through, who's this guy talking through my doorbell? So just to, just to recap on what you just you know listened to or, or, or watched, that was the video from the security researcher's perspective. He was showing what he could see. He could see this. Per he was had access to the, this guy's doorbell. So imagine that was just an internal camera. It would have been the same thing. He could just see what's going on on that camera. So then he started talking to him using the microphone on it just to say, hey, your password was leaked. So last week I, I talked about the uh, 23andMe attack, and that was through password stuffing. The way that happened is that passwords were leaked. An individual used those leaked passwords, which people just use the same password over and over again, and he right. tried them all on 23andMe. Um, so he, this person, this this you know uh, ethical hacker from Canada, white that, hat, right, white hat hacker, yeah, he um, he was just notifying this guy. Now he did it in the worst way. Terrible bedside manner. <laughs> right. He could have emailed him. He had his email address. He could right. have been like, "Hey, heads up, your passwords were leaked." But I think that the guy definitely got the message. You know, uh, I don't know that I would have wanted to have somebody go into my doorbell and tell me that that's how it happened, but I would have taken it maybe a lot more seriously. Um, so regardless of your opinion of, of what, what he did or how he did it, that's terrifying. Yeah. And so that guy... But that's the reality of those devices. Exactly. I mean, that guy's going to bed for the night and he hears something. By the way, the video goes on way longer than that. I cut it short. He goes on to tell the guy... He, or the guy asked a question like, how did you even know I was home? Like what you just randomly started talking. He's like, I've been listening for a little while and I could hear shuffling around. So it sounded like you, there was a window open next to this. I figured you could probably hear the microphone. So the guy is just, in, you know, he's just interpreting right. based on what he's seeing and hearing. And he was right. The guy was home wow. and he wasn't doing anything. You know, um, the, the guy in, in, who owned the house, he wasn't doing anything that he needed to be ashamed of or scared of or whatever, right? But um, it could have been. And, um, you know, these could have been interior cameras or any other device. The moral of this particular story is change your passwords. Change your passwords. No service 
should be using two-factor authentication right no pad no service should be using the same password as another service and um yeah if, if we were to just highlight this very briefly every single thing that you have an online login for you use a different password every single account that you have that allows it enable two-factor authentication so you get that text message or something like that for an additional form of security without that you're really leaving yourself open to exactly what this guy was dealing with. And, it, and I, it, you know, convenience always comes at the cost of lower security. Um, so it's frustrating. And um, there are things out there to help you with the conveniences, password management software. Um, there's uh, like LastPass is one I, I, I say a lot that is is a pretty good one, but there's a lot of them. One Pass, there's a bunch of them out there. Um, Apple has their own that's built in keychain. That's really right. good. We've talked about that, but use a legitimate program. And if you're not sure, again, reach out and ask. Um, but that's the easiest way you can have it generate these really long, unique passwords. I don't even know my passwords for 99% of the stuff no. that I have. They're this long randomized series of codes and I have them available to me in my phone and my computer and I can get them, but I have to authenticate who I am every time I want to get one of those passwords. So I only have to remember one password and, and most of the time it's not even that. I'm using face ID on my phone, a biometric level of security. It's right. not even me typing in a password, which is really the best way to go. So um, that video is just, it's, it's something that I wanna highlight that um, this kind of thing is happening. This is, this is one of many videos like this, by the way. And it- Oh yeah, the, well, you mentioned it briefly, but there are absolutely multiple videos of people going in and seeing a nest camera or a baby monitor and there's somebody in there talking to their infant or toddler in their bedroom in the dark that would be terrifying like i can't even imagine like, I, as a I dad would, i i walking to my like for as much as i understand and no technology i would that camera would be in pieces so fast. I don't know if I grab a gun first or like unplug the thing. Like, what do I do first? <laughs> It'd be so terrifying to have Destroy that happen. It. Baby monitors are a pretty easy source, unfortunately, of um, vulnerable hardware too, because they're they're not usually made with the best security in mind. Newer ones are better. They operate digitally and they have um, security protocols, but like the old analog ones, they just literally broadcast a video signal mm -hmm. and it was so easy. So if you have like one of these hand me down baby monitors, you really want to think twice about using those kinds of things. Um, Jennifer emailed in and said, Hey, I, hi Ian, can you please recommend which password keeper slash locker app you think is the most secure slash best? So just recap on that real quick. Um, I, I will tell you that I'm not going to officially endorse any product um, when it comes to this because every one of them either has or will experience a vulnerability on their own of some kind. LastPass, which is the company that I use, um, has had two breaches in recent past. Both of those breaches netted in no effect to their customers because of the way that they store their data, but they were encouraged to change master passwords on their accounts just to be safe. Um, with that said, as paranoid as I am, I still use LastPass. I know what they do to secure their data, um, but there are alternatives out there. And the thing is, while they haven't been hacked yet, some there people are always after these companies right. and uh, they're always looking for the master key to get people's app, but there really is none because of the way they store their data. It's pretty safe. Um, so what do I recommend personally? I really like LastPass mostly because the measure of convenience and security meet in the middle for me. Um, it's not so secure that 
it's in so inconvenient that I have to take five minutes every time I want to type in a password for something. But it's also not so convenient that I can just you know press one little button and have everything I need in, in, in a single step. Um, it meets that middle ground for me, uh, and it works really well on my phone. All of the passwords are stored in like a secure place on my phone. So even if somebody stole my phone, they couldn't get it. Um, you'd have to have my face or my you know additional passwords to get access to that kind of thing. So LastPass for me personally, that's the one I like. Um, if you use an iPhone and you don't have hundreds of passwords like I do. I, I really do like Apple's keychain. It works really well. It's simple. It won't work if you have a PC. Um, it's not going to like synchronize to your PC very easily at all. Um, but if you're all Mac, if you're all you know, Macintosh computers and iPads and laptops and whatever, uh, iPhone, that's the keychain is a pretty cool way to go to. That's a secure one. And it's, it's just very convenient as well. Um, so one of, one of the other questions I got was actually on Saturday. I got an email from Laura. She said, good afternoon. I'm hoping to get a recommendation for a trusted VPN. There are so many options out there, uh, all with different costs. I don't know which one to trust and looking for the, compa- uh, looking for one for a compatible Samsung phone. What do you, do you, do you pay for one now? You're just using what we talked about the other day, right? So I have, yeah, Google one has one built into it. Right. Um, which, which you pay for Google one. Yeah. Right? I pay, it's like two ninety nine a month but it's 200 gigs of data for storage backup. I share it with all my family. So we have like five phones being backed up to it. It's great. And this is a product of Google one, uh, a subscription that you pay it, for with yeah. Google. It on is, any it Android is tied device. directly to it now. So I don't know if it's built into every Android device. Cause I didn't ever see, I just have it as a swipe down from the top of it mine sh- on my pixel. It should be available to any modern Android device with the most recent operating system. That's that's after after we talked about it last time. I was looking into that a little bit. Um, so there are even in iPhones now. It's it's a setting you can turn on called Private Relay, and that is also a VPN. But not everybody's using a VPN from their phone. Um, they want it from their computer too. I use and I have used for a long time a program that is skeptical amongst technicians, um, but every program is. This is the nature of our industry is everybody has a different opinion. Um, And it's one of the reasons why I like to always kind of start these things with like, I'm not officially endorsing this product, but I'm telling you what I use and where my measure came through on, on why I use it. I use, it's called Private Internet Access or PIA. I have that on my server at home. I have it on my computer at work. I have it on my cell phone. Um, the reason I use it is because it's so convenient. I also don't use it super frequently. Like right. if I'm at a Starbucks, I'll turn it on. Um, if I'm in my hotel or something for a vacation, like I'm going to be in LA for the next week. Um, when I have my uh, laptop on and working from there, I'll have my VPN turned on. On previous Android phones, that's the one I used as well. Uh, PIA, yeah. yeah. So um, PIA or Private Internet Access is is the full name for it. Is the one that I use, and I personally would recommend. Um, from again a professional perspective, it's it's really difficult for me to recommend somebody like, hey, this is the one that Tech to You suggests. We do that with other things, but only when we're hyper comfortable with it. Right. Um, this is one of those areas where like, it's kind of an ever-changing landscape. Um, but PIA is one that I like. If it was a friend of mine asking me, I'd say, yeah, I get it. I, I can't remember what I pay. I think it's like 40 bucks a year, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, 30, 30, 40 bucks for yeah. a full year. Depends if you buy more than one year at a time. It's not super expensive, but it's also not the cheapest option out there. Um, there are lower cost options, and sometimes they're equally as good as far as security. Um, but... I would recommend do your own research a little bit. Uh, really dig into the terms. Yeah, well, that's part of it. Like, are they are they? Do they log your data? Yeah, are they, that's the biggest question. Do they is, store are they, it? Are they logging your data, and what are they doing with that if they do log it? Um, and and what are you using it for? 
you know, are you using it because you just want to be private with the things that you're browsing at Starbucks or are you using it for something? Do you want to be private or pirate? Right. Yeah. Pirate or high security applications. Like we've had uh, medical professionals and military come to us and say, um, you know, this is how everything works, but I'm sometimes in these public networks now and again, they already have their own VPN and, and, it's set up by whoever gave them their computer. But sometimes they're kind of in this middle ground where they like have to supply their own computer and it needs to be HIPAA compliant, which basically just means it meets uh, medical privacy standards. And um, we'll get asked for a VPN recommendation. And in that case, we, we do actually have to do a little bit more homework for the customer to find out, okay, if we do a VPN, you know, what services even qualify for what right. you do in your industry. So that, again, that's one of the reasons why I, I wouldn't endorse one specific product. I'd say it's sort of dependent on use case, but I like PIA. Um, it's worked really well for me over the years. Um, got another email here from, uh, from Nick again. He says, Hey, Ian, a week or two ago, you mentioned a good antivirus program uh, good, or good antivirus companies. Could you say those once again, since we're going over recommendations? Yeah. So the one that we recommend more than anything else is uh, Webroot um, Secure Anywhere. The version that TechTube actually sells is called Endpoint Protection, which is unique. It's not usually something you can just go to a store and buy. Um, and to keep that description very short, the reason for that is we issue a license key for it. We maintain the license key. You renew it through us. The benefit is that we have the ability to do things like stopping Windows updates that break your computer. Um, that's like the only thing that we really like about an extra bonus feature that it has. But we also can do things that um, are, are helpful, which is like when it's time to renew, you can call us and we make that process really simple. But we know this program more than any other antivirus program. The reality is that to there's a good handful of good antivirus programs out there that'll do the job just fine. Um, hell, even Windows Defender integrated into Windows 10 and 11 is not bad. Yeah, it's, with it, just the right knowledge and usage of the computer, right? It's, it's, it's pretty easy to keep yourself safe. It's a decent antivirus program that's baked in now. I, I would even say that not every person has to have an antivirus program. That said, being somebody who's hyper aware of the things that are out to get me, I run an antivirus program. <laughs> like I don't trust myself completely, and I certainly don't trust Windows Defender to do all the work for me. So I like to have that um, different application that, that provides somewhat different and right. higher level protection. What are the other ones that you usually say are acceptable? Uh, Sophos is pretty good, especially yeah. for uh, Macs. Um, Webroot, uh, it, it, it gets deprecated really quickly on Macs. They only support the previous three operating that's right. systems yeah that's a good point so sophos is a really good alternative for it although it it among others like eset are really heavy on the the operating system yeah so when you do a scan one of the other rec reasons why we like webroot i mean i think specifically for our customer base the majority of people that we're providing service to are are um not technical experts by, by any means lower right? end or older hardware that too so one of the reasons why we like webroot is it does what's called cloud scanning so it utilizes almost nothing on your computer like when it scans it doesn't slow the whole computer down like norton and mcafee are kind of known for that kind of thing so when you're when you're doing a, a full system scan like actually this morning i came in and my scan results were up and it was a minute and 19 seconds to scan my whole computer and i wouldn't even have known if it was doing it when i was sitting here because it's just so right. light on your system it's one of the reasons why i like it um a, a notable program that we used to really like was kapersky um yeah it very effective as far as its ability to identify malicious code even good zero day catches 
um, the Canadian government just, I think it was yesterday or the day before, it was very recent, just banned it completely. It's not allowed on any government computers Yeah, you, can, you at can't all. use it in any uh, U.S. government computers for oh, really? the last okay. couple so of years, too. I knew that there was talks of it happening here, but yeah. I didn't know that it actually had been yeah. enacted. No, when when all of that went down with the, Russia. the, the question of whether or not it was being used by Russian state mm-hmm. uh, or, or if they had any control over it at all. Which, as far as I know, I don't think we proved anything. No. Um, but it's kind of the same thing as like it's it's really hard to prove that your vacuum that is a Chinese brand vacuum. It's really hard to prove that that guy you hired remotely isn't sending his money to North Korean ballistic missile testing. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, go back to last week's episode if you don't know what we're talking about. Um, but that you know, like if you've got this Chinese knockoff vacuum, it's programmed in China. It's got Chinese code on it. And it's sending data back to Chinese cloud servers. Why? It just needs to clean my house. Or it's programmed with a backdoor for access. Right. I mean, some of the newer ones have cameras on them too. Because they're trying to identify things that they don't want to run over. For pathing. Right. Yeah. You left a little uh, friendly dog. Your dog left a little pile of love in the kitchen floor for you. And it doesn't want to get run over. So it uses the camera to identify that. But what... Where is this image being processed? Right. And generally speaking, it's not being processed locally. It's being processed on a cloud server of some kind that can do the computational analysis to determine what it's looking at. So is this company sending this data off to China for analysis? Does it get stored? Does it get sold? Is it part of a LLM and it can't be removed anymore? Um, yeah, there's, God, yeah, it's part of an LLM. Um, so uh, as far as other antivirus applications, um, there, there's a handful of good ones out there. And actually this list gets updated relatively frequently of ones that we like. We used to use for years, we used a program called AVG. Um, we ended up switching away from it. Now we had a great relationship with the company. It was really, really, really good. Um, it was still a, a- good product too they just started adding a bunch of bloatware and right junk. Yeah. yeah it sucked because even today I, as far as i know they still do a decent job of, of removing viruses but they started adding things in and customers were calling us and like oh you know it's running what is this what pc and, tune-up what is yeah this? so we don't like that stuff because as much as some of it can be helpful most of it's junk or tries to get you to buy things you don't need. Add-ons, yeah. It's just you just need something to scan files when you put them in your computer to see if there's something malicious. That's really the only point. Like you don't need it to do PC tune-ups for you because 99 percent of the time it does it. It's going to break something anyway. So um, we we switched away from AVG after a lot of complaints, um, mostly internal complaints of of how it was performing, and we went to Webroot, and we've now been on that for God, I don't. Nine years, years, something yeah. like that. Yeah, which is the longest string we've ever had with an antivirus company. Um, we'll, we'll change it at some point. It's going to change again. Somebody's going to get better and better suited for the type of thing that we do, and we'll we'll change it up. But so far, it's it's been good. Um, Nick emailed back in again. He said, "Me again. Uh, does the web root that tech to use cells work on Android phones as well?" That's a good question for Ryan. Uh, we don't have licenses that work on Android, but at the same time, you don't purchase conventional licenses the same way on a phone. Right. Um, I believe there is a paid version of the app, but we went into this a, a couple of weeks ago where phones don't get infected the same way that typically not that uh, computers do. And oftentimes, if there's something on your phone, it's it's an app that's installed, and it's as easy as removing it. And an, an antivirus being installed on your phone isn't going to prevent that. Yeah, generally, the antivirus on phones, um, they don't quite get the access that they need to live scan files like a right. PC would. Um, so while they do perform, provide some form of protection, it, it 
it is a little bit of a false sense of security, especially if you're the type of person to put things on your phone that are you know, questionable in the first place. If you're and the protection that you'd really want from sideloading is that, you know, we, we talked about how Google's adding that scanning into sideloaded apps, mm-hmm. which is exactly what you'd want if you were going to be concerned about right. being infected on your phone. Yeah, getting getting an infection on the phone is possible, but even like the majority of scary zero-day infections are not going to be detected by, uh, you know, the antivirus program that you paid $10 for for your phone. Well, that and I think most of the things that people have happen as far as infections or being hacked on their phone are things uh, that are resulting in like accounts being taken over. Like they click on a link in a Facebook messenger and their Facebook account gets taken over. Um, Your phone's not hacked. Your Facebook account is. That and well, and then when your phone can be taken over, given root access, which means like control of everything inside of it, um, there are legitimate you know, I don't want to call them viruses. They're vulnerabilities. These are the things that are a way bigger deal than getting a virus on your phone. Um, I guess that's a good thing to highlight because we don't we don't really talk about that very much. Computers are have an operating system that runs that is significantly more susceptible to a virus. Um, now, it's not to say that phones don't run on an operating system. It's just that those operating systems are generally quite a bit more. Um, they're less complex. They're simple, right. and they're they're harder to infect because of their simplicity. Where infections occur as a result of vulnerability somewhere. Microsoft Windows is this huge operating system with tons of running applications, custom drivers, custom software. Every, everything that you add into it is another. You can get executables from anywhere. They can be right. run in the future without you even installing something at the time that you know of. There's on any given computer, you know, a thousand legitimate services running at the same time and every one of those is potentially an attack vector if there's a problem with them if it, if it doesn't you know if it needs an update so my point is that with a phone um i don't run an antivirus on my phone i i'm not saying that you shouldn't i've never felt the need to because whenever there has been a detected zero day apple or android are so fast to patch that stuff. Um, there are times where it has taken them longer for for known vulnerabilities, but in most cases they're very very quick. So that what I would recommend to anybody is just just update your phone. Yeah. Just when as soon as there is that update that's available, go for it. Especially if it says it's a security update. The downside of that is again the balance of security and convenience. Is as soon as you update your phone, you're risking something breaking because it's an update. They right. go through testing, but they don't go through unlimited testing. And so stuff can break. Um, it is that that kind of age-old, um, should I update Windows? Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, you know, most of the time it's going to be just fine. Um, but you really do need to. You need to keep it updated. I know that you don't want to deal with it. You don't want to restart your computer. You got 50 Chrome tabs open right now, and it's going to take forever to find them all again. You really do need to reboot it regularly and let it do its updates. There's a good reason for that. And the more, the longer you go on without updating software, without you know ignoring that "not right now" button, the more vulnerable you become. And 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 eventually, or the more likely a hiccup will happen when you do update. Well, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah if you wait like a year and there's 15 other updates in front of it, sometimes it's it's not tested for that transition very well. Right. Um, but the longer you wait, the more likely it is that you're going to be not only vulnerable to something, but even become a target. Like when you land on any website, let's just say techdu.com, for example, I know what operating system you're running. That's really easy for me to detect. I can even tell what version 
version of the operating system you're on. I can tell what version of your browser you're using. That's all That's all data. That's not like us scraping data. This is no. just, it's just given to us by your computer when you land on our page. Um, but if I am running a nefarious website and I want this data, I'm going to collect even more than just those basics. And I'll find out, ooh, this person with this IP address just landed on my website and they're using this old version of Windows that does, hasn't had updates in years and this old version of Firefox. And I'm going to broadcast an ad specific to that that says, your Windows 7 is out of date. Click here now. Or even worse, you're going to broadcast a zero-click vulnerability where they don't even need to click on the ad. It just downloads the infection right into the computer and runs it because they haven't been patched for recent updates. It's the reason why when we, as rare as it is, see a customer running Windows XP now, it's kind of like, uh, you really should not be doing this. Like, yeah. If you have to, like there's people that run... Put it in a VM. Put it in a virtual machine. Yeah, and we can explain that to you if you have it. If you're running Windows XP or Windows Vista, these are out-of-date operating systems. Oh, they don't have support. Windows 7, same. Um, it doesn't have support anymore. Now, for, when's the last time we saw an XPOS? Uh, Remote team hasn't done one for some time now, right? There's one RSM customer who that, still has it. Who has That's it. funny. Um, so it, it, generally speaking, we won't support certain things if you're running that old of an operating system um but you're just you're really running a risk if, yeah. if you're doing it, especially Re if you're online repairs come with the understanding that you're continuing to use something that is not, not supported. supported yeah um it's kind of like like if somebody came to us today i think even the general public would understand if somebody's like oh, i've got my windows 3.1 computer that came out in the early 90s late 80s whatever um it's going to be pretty hard for us to make that work with modern day stuff. You know, they're not, it's not like it's updated and it's not that far off from using XP today. Um, XP came out 23 years ago. So if you're still using it, stop, it, stop, please. Or just disconnect it from the internet and uh, let us build you a virtual machine and plug that into a computer that is secure. And we can get those special programs that you have to have, you know, running on, on that version of virtual version of windows XP. Um, so anyway, I hope, uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the scare on the Halloween show. You know, I, uh, like I said, when we started today, um, the goal is to, to, to highlight security vulnerabilities. Uh, and I don't like to be the fear monger, but it's a good day to do it. And, um, want to at least bring to your attention the very many uh, attack vectors that 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 exist for any individual every day and uh, we want to make sure you're kept safe and that you keep these things in mind and uh, as you go out for halloween tonight and do your trick-or-treating and you shut your garage door you're going to probably be thinking if anybody's in the neighborhood uh with one of those little scanners in their pocket you know looking for that code um so you know keep those kinds of things in mind lock your doors and be safe and i hope everybody has a a, a safe halloween right and by the way would you dress as this year would you would you, would you dressed up as a uh, technician technician i dressed yes. up as the uh, general manager of a, a computer repair company mid-sized computer repair company it's terrifying i hope everybody is scared looking at the image um i hope you guys all have a safe halloween thank you guys all so much for uh hanging along with us today and as always if you have any questions email me ian at techtu.com and we will see you next tuesday